Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Welcome to SWE Stories, Tales from the Archives, Episode 3. Nevertheless, she persevered. I'm Troy Eller-English, archivist for the Society of Women Engineers, based at the Walter P. Ruther Library of Labor and Urban Affairs at Wayne State University. And I'm Ann Perusik, SWE's Director of Editorial and Publications. It's spring 2018, and we're in the midst of a powerful cultural movement. There's a purging of experience, emotions, and anger, as seen in the Me Too and the Time's Up movements. These are long overdue responses to sexual harassment. Today, we're discussing gender-based discrimination experienced by women engineers. These two things, sexual harassment and the gender-based discrimination, are closely related because at the root of these experiences is the erroneous notion that somehow women are less than men and the imbalance of power and um, mindset that accompanies this is manifested in a variety of ways. Gender-based discrimination and harassment in the workplace takes many forms. Some actions are blatant and easily identified. Some are subtle and harder to confront. So many SWE members have shared their own experiences confronting gender-based harassment in the workplace. Uh, So many members have shared their stories, actually, that we're recording two episodes. Today, we'll share a few members' experiences with brazen and flagrant harassment and discrimination. And the following episode will feature stories about more subtle or ambiguous harassment. Despite the heavy nature of the topic, please know that these stories are ultimately ones of empowerment. Certainly, women facing harassment in the workplace may not always have a positive story to tell at the end of the day. But today, we're featuring stories of women who confronted and ultimately persevered over workplace harassment. SWE fellow and trustee Dorothy Morris shared her experience with SWE archivist Lauren Cada in a 2003 oral history interview. In the late 1950s, Dorothy was working as the general manager at Colvin Laboratories, which was highly unusual for women to hold such a position in management. Colvin Laboratories was under negotiations to be sold. In 1958, Dorothy was instrumental in all of the negotiations handling the sale with the two companies. One company that was interested, Victory Engineering, eventually passed on the deal. And so Colvin Laboratories was bought out by a company called Spartan Industries. During her oral history interview, Dorothy explained what happened the day following the deal closure. We had um, uh, the closing and I uh, uh, went to um, work, you know, the next day, and I remember it so well. It was um, the last day before Memorial Day weekend. Okay. And I walked into my office, and my uh, I was there only a short time when the uh, telephone rang, and it was um, John Smith, who was the president of the company that had just acquired us, And he said, as I'm talking to you on the phone, he said, my deputy will walk into your office 
and will observe you as you clean out your desk. Wow. And I was rather taken back, of course. And um, he said, um, uh, I won't even permit a female to be a drafts person in my companies. And mm. he openly admitted it. And this man walked in and so on and so forth. And um, I, I remember calling Charles Calvin on the phone and I said, I've just been dismissed. And of course he was, you know, shocked. And he had had a contract to continue on with Spartan for right. about, a, I don't know, a year or 18 months. And um, so I left that day without a job and I was devastated. I can imagine um, you put so much into Yeah. And there's two uh, uh, endings to the story. The interesting thing is that Charles Colvin found a way to break his contract so he did not stay for the year or so with Spartan. And other people who had um, assumed that they would stay, employees, were so shocked at what happened to me that they left and the whole thing became a disaster for Spartan Industries because the key people didn't, wouldn't stay. And that was it. And I was um, at home the following week feeling very badly mm -hmm. when um, uh, I received a call from uh, the office saying that the president of Breeze and Victory Engineering had called and wanted my home phone number when he found that I was no longer there and they wanted permission to give it to him and I said okay and the reason he wanted my home phone number is that apparently he was impressed with the way I handled the negotiations and he wanted me to come in and um, become treasurer of Victory Engineering Corporation. Wow. So I had a job without really looking for one with a very short time. Sure. And I ended up being general manager of that company. There are so many things about that story that I really love, um, particularly the fact that out of disaster came a wonderful experience um, where Dorothy Morris was able to um, progress, uh, become general manager of that company, uh, be in an atmosphere that was free of the bias that her previous employer was showing, et cetera, et cetera. And I think there's so many lessons about trusting your own skills, your abilities, your expertise, the importance of building a network of supporters. And it's a pretty shocking story. It happened fully 60 years ago, and it might be easy to discount her experience as a relic of a bygone age. However, members have shared recent experiences of gender discrimination and harassment taking place today. Yeah, so last fall during the We 17 annual conference, uh, SWE member Pamela Dingman shared with me her recent and very public experience with gender-based discrimination. Um, back in 2013, Pam owned a very successful civil engineering company in Nebraska, and she served on her city's city planning commission. 
She attended the We 13 annual conference where she was receiving SWE's Entrepreneur Award for her success in leading and growing her company, Engineering Design Consultants, or EDC. So while she was at the conference celebrating her success as an entrepreneur, she actually made the decision to give it all up. The Lancaster County engineer in Nebraska had recently announced his resignation, and the county commissioners intended to appoint someone to fill the position until elections could be held in the spring of 2014. So Pam knew that by seeking the appointment, she was effectively firing herself from her own company. But she had always wanted to pursue public service, and she decided that both the timing and the opportunity were right. So she submitted her application while she was at the conference, and she was ultimately appointed Lancaster County Engineer in December 2013. She intended to formally run for the office in the spring of 2014 uh, in the elections that would be held just a few months later. Pam explained in her in her oral history interview the resistance that she met even before she began her first day on the job. In the weeks before that, I had continued to try to meet with my predecessor, and he had really set up a true good old boy system that he had recommended that someone who had worked for him for 26 years take his spot. And so they were really mad that that gentleman was not selected. Um, and and so when I tr- would try to get a hold of him to make a transition plan, he um, well, the first time he I called and I said, hi, I'm Pam Dingman, and I'd really like to schedule a meeting with you to discuss a transition plan. And he hung up on me. <laughs> and so um, I just called back the second day and I said, hi, my name is Pam Dingman. I really want to talk to you about a transition plan. And we must have gotten disconnected yesterday. And he says, we didn't get disconnected. I hung up on you. And uh, he said, I'm not interested in meeting with you. I'm not interested in a transition plan. I'm thinking like, oh, this is a big organization. This is a problem. So the third day I call and I say, hi, um, my name is, you know, it's Pam again. I was just wondering uh, when I could come in and meet with you. And he said, you know, are you're not going to give up, are you? And I said, as a matter of fact, I'm not. And so he scheduled a meeting with me and I came and I talked to him about what all my concerns were with transitioning uh, the organization, which at the time was, um, you know, an over $20 million a year uh, annual budget with about 110 employees. And what's interesting is uh, I started asking my questions and he said, you know, I'm really done answering your questions and I'm not interested in helping you be successful in any way. And he went over to his desk and he turned his chair away from me. And I remember just like I kept asking the questions across the room. I was just like not not going to be not going to be dismissed. And what's interesting is I came to know very quickly um, who my supporters were and on the management team, uh, I I knew I knew that I only had one supporter on the ten people that were um, that were on my management team. So Pam began her appointment as county engineer in December 2013, but the 26-year veteran of the department and many others were not happy that she was there, and they were not particularly keen on following the policies and the efficiencies that she wanted to pursue as the county engineer. So both Pam and that 26-year veteran of the department decided to run in what became a contentious and volatile election. I didn't necessarily anticipate that it would be as hard as it was or that it would be as personal as it was. 
And there were things um, like letters to the editor uh, written, one in particular that was written by a ex, a city of Lincoln, a retired employee that um, the gentleman wrote that uh, he had worked with both both candidates and that I was inferior basically in every way. I mean, it was published in a paper. You're like, oh my goodness. Um, there was one uh, article and I think this person meant this article to be hurtful to me, but it didn't really work out that way for him. And he, he wrote that, uh, he basically wrote, you know, he didn't know me and he didn't know why I would have been appointed. And I had no, no reason to be county engineer, very dismissive. You know, I don't, I don't know her. I don't know why the commissioners picked her. And, uh, I'm just kind of, I like the, along the lines of, I had no right. And what's interesting is his letter was so, when I first read the letter, I'm like, well, this is horribly dismissive and sexist. And then I thought, okay, you know, put on your big girl pants, flush your emotional toilet. You don't really have time to waste and you're, you're probably just being sensitive. So just come on, you got, you know, keep your eye on the prize. You don't have time to waste time uh, on this. And what's interesting is people sent me letters, other women engineers who knew me and one in particular sent me a letter about, um, Hey, listen, I read this. It was completely inappropriate. And here's my donation to your campaign and, you know, beat this guy, <laughs> Be beat him for all of us. And so, I mean, I actually got thousands of dollars of donations off this guy's really nasty letter to the editor, which, you know, was not his intent to empower me. And so, I mean, what's interesting about becoming County engineer and the whole campaign is as it went on, it, it really was a very sexist campaign, um, kind of along the lines of, uh, you know, she can't, she can't really, she can't do this. I mean, what's, what's a woman doing here? Um, and uh, as I kept campaigning and I kept out there in the public, what was really more interesting to me is how much it w wasn't about me at all anymore, but that I had to win for the local women to really feel empowered and I was at my EDC office uh, one afternoon working and uh, this young woman stops into my office and and I recognize her from the coffee shop and she says, I knew you from the coffee shop, but I didn't really know who you were. And after you left today, there were some people at the coffee shop and they're talking about how um, you shouldn't be county engineer, that a woman shouldn't be county engineer. They didn't think it was right. And I just wanted to stop by and this is my tip money. And she gives me like $10 and change. And I mean, obviously this woman, I mean, it really didn't, I really didn't want to take her $10 and change. I was just so humbled by it. But I mean, she just insisted that she wanted to um, donate to my campaign and support my campaign. And could she have signs and, um, you know, Pam Dinger for engineer signs. And so it was just, it was such a humbling moment um, to know that the journey wasn't just about me anymore. The journey was really about taking oh. Lancaster County and getting up to the next level. And, uh, you know, as I knocked on doors, I remember a gentleman that uh, said to me, well, you know, lady, are you even an engineer? <laughs> and uh, and I said, well, uh, yes, I, I am an engineer. And he goes, do you have an engineering license? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, to file to run for county engineer, I had to uh, I, I had to show my license uh, to the election commissioner. So yes, I am licensed. He goes, and what's your license number? And I'm like, oh my gosh, where is this going to end? And I tell him what my license number is and he kind of sits back and he, and he says, 
do you know Paula Wells? And Paula Wells, um, of course, was documented as one of the women engineers you should know. Um, she's a 1960 graduate from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and one of the first women in, Lincoln to, uh, in Nebraska to have an engineering license. And so I said, well, I, I do know Paula Wells. And, and, she, and he says, she's a little strange but I'll vote for you. And it's like, what, where are the questions, uh, where are the questions end? Um, and so, but you know, with this gentleman, the question is like, okay, now you don't know one woman engineer, you know, two. So we've increased your realm by, you know, mm -hmm. by a hundred percent. And, uh, and we're going to keep pushing the bar forward. And I remember the uh, day after the election, I had a staff meeting and it was the saddest staff meeting I've ever had in my whole life because God bless these people, but they never imagined that I would actually win. And um, I never imagined that I would actually lose uh, because I put everything I ha had into winning. So I think Pam's story is a wonderful example that even though you confront skepticism, hostility, or harassment, if you confront it and you overcome it, you make the path just a little bit easier for the next woman engineer behind you. Um, I think it's common or easy to assume that women engineers have already tread that path and that most women won't face such obvious and devastating discrimination and harassment in the workplace. But Pam's experience is only five years old. That happened just five years ago. Um, SWE Magazine has conducted a, a review of literature for the past 16 years, and it's also, and uh, SWE is also engaged in research on a number of issues, including the environment for women in engineering. Uh, and can you share some insight from that research? Oh, certainly. So as you said, for 16 years, we've done an annual literature review on the social science literature that is examining um, the status of women in engineering. Consistently, one thing we see over the years is that the emphasis is mostly on women in academic spheres. So it's either the experience of students or women who are in the professorate. Um, there's just such a shortage of studies on women in industry. They are there, but they're few and far between. I think probably the easiest way to summarize it would be to say the experience of women in engineering and certainly in these areas of uh, discrimination and harassment, um, we wonder how does this change? And it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. So um, uh, do women um, not enter the field or leave the field um, because of the persistence of, of um, male dominance? Um, so if that's the case, then what would change it, but more women in the field. So it's a little bit of a vicious cycle. Um, we do have some specific study results, um, regarding work-life issues and things like that, that would contribute to women's low representation in the field, but to actually study, um, the culture of engineering requires, I think, a little broader scope than we sometimes have found in the social science research. And it's one of the reasons why we call every year for more research on women in industry. There's a question of what you should do if you are experiencing discrimination and harassment in the workplace. Um, I very much wanted to include a segment that was recorded during a 2008 StoryCorps interview with SWE member Mary Anderson Rowland. Uh, 
in 2008, she shared with me how Jan Elsia, a colleague in the Faculty Women's Association at Arizona State University in the 1970s, took matters into her own hands, literally, uh, when she had it with the sexual harassment that she was experiencing in her department. But Jan Elsie, I think, put the courage into all of us. She talked about the discrimination that she faced in her department because the faculty men were hanging up pinup pictures of pinups, women pinup girls uh, around. And she said she felt uncomfortable about that. And she didn't think the women students appreciated it either. So what she decided to do is she hung up a very bare man <laughs> on her office. And within days, all of the pictures came down. And so I think, I think one of the things you really learn is you have to ta- attack things with a sense of humor. And this you may want to cut. But I will tell this other story about Jan Elsie is that there was a male colleague that she had that every time he walked by her, he would give her a little tap on her fanny. Mm -hmm. And she did not appreciate that. And so she told him, do not do that anymore. And if you do, there will be consequences. And so the next time he came by and gave her a little tap, Mm -hmm. she turned and grabbed him right in front. And that was the end of that. So while that resolution might be very satisfying, uh, your HR department will certainly say that it shouldn't be repeated. And SWE does not advise that response. So, Anne, what should you do? Well, first of all, the National Women's Law Center does have resources on how to identify and respond to things like pay inequity, workplace harassment and discrimination that are based on gender, pregnancy and family. That would be a good place to start. SWE also has great resources, not just for dealing with harassers, but also for transforming your workplace into one that does not tolerate harassment. Uh, You can access the SWE Advanced Learning Center uh, modules to learn more about that. Um, If you want to help foster a harassment-free workplace, be sure to read SWE's Diversity and Inclusion Playbook and check out the SWE two card decks now on diversity and inclusion knowledge and inclusion solutions. Also, there's programming on avoiding and overcoming workplace harassment at the WE18 annual conference, at the WE local conferences, and events sponsored by SWE sections around the U.S. and throughout the world. And finally, you can find SWE's latest research on the workplace environment for women engineers on the SWE research site, uh, research.swe.org, and in the State of Women in Engineering issue of the SWE magazine, which came out just in March. And that is available on the magazine app through Google Play and the App Store, as hard copy through Amazon, and on the magazine page of SWE's website under the archives. All right. So we hope that you found some inspiration or courage from the stories that we shared from the archives today. The transcript to this episode will be posted on altogether.swe.org, and there you'll find links to the archival content as well as the resources we mentioned. In the next episode, we'll share stories from members about the more subtle discrimination or harassment that they've experienced and overcome. On behalf of myself, Anne, and everyone else at SWE, thanks for listening.